0: Welcome, you're listening to RUF at the University of Oklahoma to down on a cross and he resurrected. And so what we've been doing all semester is looking at the stories Jesus told in order to teach us about himself, about God, about us, profound truth. And so there are these little simple stories that have really big, powerful ideas. And what, we've been roughly doing it chronologically. And so uh, this one is one of the last ones Jesus told. Uh, in his, in his um, time on earth before his ascension. And so as, as you think about that, you've got to know that his, his disciples were needing instruction on what to do in the meantime, you know, how, to, how to live a responsible life with an ascended Christ as he's going to be gone from them soon. And so that's why, that's why I get to the parable of the talents today. Um, if you will, let's bow and pray before we start, and then we'll, we'll examine this, this story. I'll comment on it briefly and we'll wrap it up. And I, I would point, point your attention to the sermon cues here underneath the miscellaneous on your announcements. Go ahead and lock, lock that number into your phone and just type it in as, Are you of questions? And just stream of consciousness. If you have a question, we want to interact with you tonight. So there should be some good questions that I think would, that would come up from this. So if you will, just text those and, and then um, John will forward those on to me. And after the last song, we'll have a little Q&A time. We'd love to hear your questions if you have them. So let's bow and pray, and we'll, sit, we'll, we'll read this together. Uh, Father in heaven, I pray for a good night tonight where we uh, examine uh, your coming to be with us, to set us free far as the curse is found. You have, have identified with us. You've called us your brothers. You, you are not ashamed to, to relate to us and you're not ashamed to not only just communicate to us, tell us stories, but to suffer with us and to, to die for us, to rescue us. And so we, we give you thanks, Lord Jesus, and we ask that you would send your spirit tonight uh, to, to dwell this specially and to teach us, and, and that everything that's said tonight, that, that it would be faithfully articulated clearly, uh, that uh, you would use even me, uh, a sinner, to, to clearly uh, use the talent you've given me uh, to be a blessing, uh, and that we would, would use uh, be able to use by your grace our ears to hear your words, uh, to hear your story, and to be inspired by it and, and captured by your goodness to us tonight. So we, we need your help to understand it. Uh, we need your spirit to teach us and to open our minds to it. So we ask for that tonight, humbly, uh, and for your sake, Lord Jesus. Amen. So here we go. The parable of the talents. It's a beautiful story. Follow along with me on verse 14 and following. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I had scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming I should have received what was mine, my own, with interest." So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, will, be, will, be, will more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the Word of God. May He write its eternal truths on our hearts this evening. So, let me open with a question just to just imagine, if you will. Someone gave you a million dollars. What would you do with all of that money? Someone gave you a billion dollars. I mean, I, it's just shout out some things. What would you do if you had just unlimited resources all, all of a sudden? Pay for Spend school. College. School, loans, <laughs> um, quit school, <laughs> invest that money. <laughs> None of us would probably do nothing with it. I mean, like, everyone's got something in their mind that they want and would love to have. Some luxury item you've always wanted, perhaps, if you had this, this influx of cash, right? That's exactly what this story's about. The rich man is the subject of this parable, and he doesn't want his money lying around dormant while he's gone. So he wants it to make a profit, so he gives it to his three servants. One of them he gives five, one of them he gives two, and one of them he gives one. Now, don't be thinking a talent is like a quarter here, and so like he's going to give one guy five quarters, one two and one one, they're going to go down to the casino and see how their luck goes. Now, A talent is a cent. I want to get this right, a talent is 125 Roman pounds. So if you have 125 pounds of gold per se, that's worth to six. That's worth six thousand denarii, which is about 20 years of working for a normal guy. So you're talking 20 years. So you get out of school as an engineer, an accountant, or something like that, and you're making what? What's a what's a starting salary today? What are we hoping for? Eighty thousand. Eighty thousand. All right. Eighty thousand. That's ambitious. Let's just say 50 for the sake of argument. You know, say you're a teacher or something. Um, you may start out with 50, right? So, um, so in 20 years, that's going to be like a million dollars, right? You know, Something like that. So, so think of like 20, somebody just gives you 20 years of your salary, just an influx of cash right when you get out of college. You're going to be in the money. So that's what one talent would do. He's giving these guys fortunes, okay? And one talent is nothing to sneeze at. Five talents is a lot. Two talents, this is an this is enormous amount of money. Think of inflation now. So they've got a lot of money. A talent is a lot. Okay, so he wants them, he, he looks at the servants and their gift set and their skills, and he says, oh, I'm going to give him five, I'm going to give him two, I'm going to give him one. It's still a lot of money if you have one or five, doesn't matter. So, I remember uh, even last spring I was talking to one of our seniors who is a finance major, and he, was, he got a, a job at, the, I think it's Bank of Texas, or one of these, one of these banks, he was going to be a wealth management guy, and so I was like, so buddy, are you nervous? You know, you're going to go in and start handling people's money, and, and making investments for them, and, and setting up their retirement plans, and I'm like, that sounds pretty scary to me. You know, I know he's been training for this for four years, and he's had a couple classes in it, but he's going to be out there in the real world doing this, and he said he's absolutely nervous, and he says, in fact, he's so nervous, and he said, you'd be crazy not to be, and so he says when he's going to go there and he's not, going to do any, he's not going to handle any money for two years. So he's going to be like sitting and watching how it goes underneath someone before he gets out there and he actually turns turned loose with somebody's money. Because when you involve money, there's a lot of risk. And OU even offers a, Greek, a degree now called Financial Risk Management or Financial Risk Analysis. Uh, maybe you all want to check that out. Uh, and so you could be like, a, with that, you could be a corporate finance manager. I mean, for these corporations or big businesses where you can just invest their capital and, and make their decisions on how they're going to make their money to so have more. And then uh, you could be an investment manager uh, dealing with uh, individual cli- uh, clients and their money. Commercial banking, all traders, just, you know, stocks and bonds, and everything like that, commodities. Uh, you could do all kinds of things with that, you know, be a financial planner, such, such as that. So um, so that that's uh, it's just a kind of a detour there, but the the point of the thing is, is money, when we talk about money, it's very risky. talk about resources that we're managing, there's some, there could be some fear there. And we see that with this third guy, the third servant. So the first question, I've got three kind of focuses here, three questions we're going to deal with as we work our way through this. But the first one is, why did that third servant, who Jesus ends up calling wicked at the end, uh, and, and slothful. Why did that one who received the one talent bury that talent? Okay, and then why is that so bad at all? Okay, why did the first guy or the or the, or the guy, I'm sorry, the third guy who had the one talent bury that talent? Well, if you look back at verse on your handout, it says verse 16 and 17. The five and the two guy, five talent, and the two talent guy doubled their investment. Okay. And then verse eighteen, so you're thinking the what everyone's thinking that the one talent guy is going to double his investment, right? But no, it says, uh, but the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. It's like a Breaking Bad situation here, but for all different reasons. Okay, so he's burying his money or his resources in the desert, which is unbelievable. So he's burying all of this resource in the in the in the desert. So. In context, if you read the commentaries here, it's not unusual actually. That's not a bad strategy to, to put your money in the ground. Not a bad strategy at all. People do that. Why? Here's a few reasons. One, uh, fear of burglars. Uh, you know, or robbers. This is a big deal. Robbers are a big deal. I mean, we read a parable a few weeks ago about the, uh, there's a there's a Samaritan on the on the Jericho road who finds uh, his enemy beaten up and rescues him. The guy was robbed. Robbery is a big deal. There's a commandment against that. Do not steal. Okay, fear of burglars. So it's not a bad idea to, to bury valuables under the ground. Uh, another reason, he could just be a timid guy. Okay, he doesn't feel like he has the, the he's, he's kind of nervous. Okay, these other guys got more money entrusted to them than I did. And so he's thinking, well, I, I'm a, I don't know even know what to do. I have low confidence in myself. So he feels kind of vulnerable there and doesn't feel like he can do it. So he buries it. And he's insecure. Like he could probably just be. I, I'm just. I'm not cut out for this. I can't. I can't make the good decision. So he buries it, and then that's that makes a decision for him. So it's actually not a bad plan for him, right? If you look at 24, after you see this um, real, real awesome uh, return of the master. The master comes and starts rewarding the, the people who had been faithful in doubling their money. Uh, the money together that they've, they've uh, invested. But then when it came to the man with the one talent, he came forward in verse 24 and said, You know, his real motives are, are, are revealed there. He says, Well, first of all, he looks at the man who gave him the money and says, I know you're a hard man. Okay. He's saying, He's like kind of insulting him, saying, You know, you, gather, you reap where you do not sow and you gather where you scatter no seed. He's saying, You're kind of not a fair guy. Okay. He's kind of, he's, he's taking him and he's saying, Look, I'm, I'm afraid of you. So he says, verse 25, I'm afraid. And so I hid the talent in the ground. So here's, here's your talent. And I was afraid I was going to lose it or something. Verse 26 though, the master answers and says, you're wicked and you're lazy. Wicked and lazy. You knew. if, you, so if you, He says, if you really thought that about me, he said, when he says, you knew that I'm, I reap where I am not sown and gathered where I have scattered no seed, he's being sarcastic. He says, if you really thought I was that way, you would have at least invested it with a banker and earned interest. If I'm really such a harsh master, I'm going to be expecting something from you. He says, that's not who I am. You've misinterpreted me entirely. So his plan, the man's plan, is not dumb, but it is foolish. Okay, I want to parse that out. What does that mean? Uh, Dumb or stupidity is... I would say just thoughtlessness. But foolishness is what I, what I would say is a failure to acknowledge God. It's a lack of wisdom. Foolishness is a lack of wisdom. The third servant made a smart decision. He looked at pros and cons. He looked at what he thought he knew. But it was not a wise decision. So why not? Well, he opened his mouth and revealed that he didn't really know God. He, or the master in this situation. The master in the parable is representing God here. And so let's, let's look at that. He's mischaracterizing God as somebody who's not generous, who's not giving. You know, and so, so that's one thing right there is that this man has given him a, roughly a million dollars to deal with and to, and to enjoy and to live for a long time on that money and to care for it. And, to, and to even, you know, he even gives one guy a 20% return. He gives a guy another talent. Um, after, after he's done a great job. And so you see this, like this, this man's uh, characterization of God is entirely wrong. He's entirely wrong about who God is. But another component of wisdom is not only knowing God, but making decisions in light of knowing yourself or oneself. Knowing God, knowing self. Uh, so he shows he really didn't even know himself when he opens his mouth. His decision actually didn't match up with what he thought was true. It was actually just he was he's sort of he says he has this suspicion about God or, or this master in the parable. And that's just down. He's being lazy, like our servant. Um, but he says he's he says he's just you know suspicious of him that he's a harsh master. But then again, the master calls him out on that and says, look. Your theory's all wrong. You're just making an excuse. You're really just lazy and wicked. He didn't know himself. Every decision you and I make flows from what we believe about God, whether or not it's accurate or inaccurate, and how well we know ourselves. Whether or not we're delusional about who we are and our strengths and our weaknesses, or whether or not we're lazy, or whether or not we're just sort of making excuses. How self-aware are we? Okay? What we do is determined by what we know about ourselves and what we know about God. Everything everything. Many people make smart choices, okay? You don't have to be a Christian to make smart choices. Looking at pros and cons, determining what's going to work and what's not. We're all capable of those. But wise choices and wise uses of resources, that's not open to us unless we look at who God is and who we are. So so who was God? Who were the servants? Well, first, God was full of grace. He's richly and freely giving away resources and treasures, but the servants, the servants, who are they? Well, they're they're people receiving treasures, receiving talents. Okay, they're not in need. They're approved. They're accepted. They're commended by the master. That's a cool thing. Like if you think about, like like he he's he's thinking he's got to prove himself by keeping the talent and and, and giving something back, but no. I, I, I submit to you that, that God, or the master in this situation, is so gracious that if we look at the alternatives, I don't think that the master would be mad if he would actually do something with the talent. You know, if that's who God is, full of grace, or master is so full of grace that he gives away treasures freely to his servants to manage them. Okay, the servant shouldn't fear God if the worst of the worst happens. So think about this. So a couple of alternatives to not burying the treasure in the ground. He could have taken it and given it to a good cause. Like, okay, he could be, let's rescue the Samaritans, okay, or the, or the, the, the people beat up along the road. Let's give to the Jericho Road Fund, okay, to, to rescue those beat up along the road. He could have done that, okay, just giving it all away to charity, okay. Would the master come back and feel like that was a bad use of money? Okay, I don't think so. He's giving away money to, to manage. He's, he's making money all over the place. If this man took his money and did something inventive, creative, and bold with it, that could have been awesome. But he just buried it. Okay, that would have been great. Um, noble cause, not-for-profit. Could have been good. Uh, what about the worst-case scenario, though? Um, uh, what, you know, What if he had, had a good plan, invested it, and it didn't turn out so well, and he lost all of his talent, you know, everything? That would have, I think that would have been better than burying it also because... His actions would have demonstrated faith in the Master, right? The Master might have even given the the man another shot, given him another talent, a do-over, perhaps. If you look at what Jesus is all about in the Gospel, it's do-overs. He's full of grace towards people who've really messed up their lives, who've really blown it, who've really taken resources that God's given them and destroyed things. The very first parable we read this semester was the parable of the, of the prodigal God or the prodigal son, where there's this father who goes and pursues his long-lost younger, younger son who goes out and spends all of his inheritance on ruthless and wild living and prostitutes and, and blows the inheritance, and he's looking for this, this son to come home, and when he does come home, it's his son. He embraces him. He gives him a do-over, so to speak. He throws him a party. He brings out all of all that he has and says, this is yours. It's still yours. I, I, have, a, I have a sneaking suspicion that had this one talent guy well, even wasted his talent like that by, by making a bad investment, there would have been a do-over. That's why the master is so angry. That's why what he did was so bad. Why that third servant was so bad. It's unbelief. It's not exactly what he did or what he didn't do. It's just, it's lack of faith that led to that. So that leads to the next point. What makes the servants so different in their course of action? What did the one, second point then is, what did the one who received the one talent not have that the other guys did? How was he responsible in managing his, in managing his resources and the other guy was irresponsible and buried it? Well, look at verse 29. It says after they take the talent away, and give it to the one who has ten talents, it's a twenty percent profit for that guy. Gives it gets another talent um, from the five originally. For for uh, to everyone, it says in verse twenty nine, who has will more be given, and he who uh, will have and he will have an abundance. But the one from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now I just want to look at that. And just read over it again. Like, how can the one who, who does not have, um, or one who has not, it says that at the at the second clause of that verse, what do you take away from the one who has not? He already doesn't have. He already has not. What's that all about? What's he have? What's what about this have and have not business in verse twenty nine? The third servant had a talent. He had a talent. The first two servants had talents. And so I'm going to say it's not about the talents you're given. Those are just externals. Those are resources to manage. Um, those are external things to them. Uh, those, don't, those don't matter. Those external possessions don't matter, um, per se. But the, the one who manages wisely or, or unwisely, what, what, what's driving that is what's in the heart. It's the treasure within your heart. It's what you possess inside, internally to you, not what you have out externally. So there's a, there's a, there's a having and a not having that's inside of us that we can't see. It's, unse- it's unseen in the eye. And so this, the way this man responded to his master showed he had no faith in him. Okay? So these, these two, the previous ones, I would say, the five and the two guy, they already kind of understood that, that the father, or the, I'm sorry, the master in the situation was for them. They already kind of knew this well done, good and faithful servant was, was there because they, the master had given them something to do. They already kind of said, oh, we, This guy believes in me. They already had that assurance. But the one who was insecure with his, with his timidity and his bad plan, which actually could have been a good plan, um, he didn't have that. Okay? He didn't have it. And so, um, uh, what what was going on here? He's seeking approval. Seeking approval. Um, When when you and I, you know, when we feel like we've got to have approval from somebody, we can be very risk-averse, or we can be extremely risky if we're seeking to win somebody's approval. This third servant, the one-talent guy, is looking to win uh, points for this guy. Okay? Uh, He's going to... Exhibit risky behavior here by, well, actually, conservative behavior, not risky behavior, because he wants this approval that he doesn't feel like he has. Right? He needs a gospel. He needs, you are accepted. Um, Not because of what you do, but because of what somebody else has done. And so, um, think about your own place here at OU. You're, you're, You're figuring out what you're going to be. You're looking around at what, what your talents are, and maybe you felt pressure from, from friends or from parents or older sisters or brothers to be something. Okay? And, and, and th- if you need to have their approval, if you feel like that's something you've got to have, then you're going to be less risky, if that makes sense. Or if you're trying to show them, kind of show them that I'm my own person here, you might be a little more risky. If you're trying to prove something all the time to people, that's going to really impact you. But what, what the good news here about the gospel is that there's no need to, to win anyone's approval because we're already approved of by the maker of us all, the one who has, has given us everything. He's given us his son. The penalty for our sins has been paid in full by the cross of Jesus. And by faith, God's reconciled us to himself. There's peace within us in him because of what Jesus has done. God's reconciling the world to himself. A good verse to look at later is 2 Corinthians 5 19 through 20. So God gives us talents, not in order to, to, to show ourselves to be somebody, but to glorify Him with Him, right? Uh, if Samaj Pirine, uh, okay, look, have you, have you seen that guy? Okay, he is huge and fast. He was built to play running back at OU. I mean, like, if he was not playing running back at OU, he'd be disobedient uh, to God. Okay, <laughs> that is his calling. Okay, like, I mean, like, he has the clear talent to do that. To use that talent would be a sin. Or not to use it, I'm sorry, to not use that talent would be a sin. Okay, and so, like, you, you have to figure out where it is that you're called to be. What talent that you are to use for the kingdom. And so, God is so reconciled to you that you can be like the prodigal son here and and run away, blow all your talent away, you know, waste it. We've all kind of done that to one degree or another. But you've got a master who's a heavenly father who pursues you with his forgiving love, not counting your trespasses against you, but treating you as righteous. You're already approved. You're commended. He's given you talent. You don't have to prove yourself to earn that talent. You've already been given it. And so if you really believe that that's who God is, then this is profoundly important to you. This is I mean, this, 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 this is the gospel. You can't look like this third servant if you believe that about God. You can't be burying talents in the ground that God's given you. Each of us have spiritual talents or gifts that we can use for investing in the kingdom. Some of these are obvious and some of them are not. But I want to just, my final point here, third point, is that I want to argue that spiritual treasures or talents cannot be buried. That's actually the worst thing we could ever do. James 2 says that faith without works is dead. Faith without doing something with it is dead. If you are a Christian, you're called to do something. Let me just give you five talents that you might have. One, prayer. What a resource prayer is. is it not? You could t- you could t- if, if, are, are you a praying person? Prayer. Okay, you have access to this wealth in Jesus of the one who, 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 had, who holds everything in his hand. We can call upon him, and he longs to answer our request. So thinking through, I could pray better. I could, I could, I've got this ability to pray. Every Christian has this, to, to move heaven and earth, to move mountains, because God is in control, and we can call on him. Prayer first. Secondly, um, a, a great talent is the ability to forgive greatly, forevermore, fully, completely, to forgive people who've sinned greatly against us. It is an extreme talent that n- just not everybody has that, but Christians do. These are ex- extremely. These are not just talents anybody can have. These are people only that are in Christ can have, praying and forgiving great debts, forgiveness. So forgiving totally, completely wrongs done against you. Being someone who, 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 I've been forgiven much, I can forgive somebody a little. Like a, another story we, we read about the great big debt forgiven of one servant, and you can't take out you know, small debts on people and, and beat them up because they, they've, beaten, they've sinned against you and you've been forgiven so much, infinitely more. Uh, so prayer, forgiveness. Third, the gospel, giving the gospel itself the good news away. Everyone has something to say about Jesus. If you've, re- if you've received forgiveness and peace with God, you've got something to say to somebody. You can risk, oh, I might be a fool here. I might be thought of as a fool because I believe in this God who no one can see, uh, who sent His Son, who died on a cross 2,000 years ago, was resurrected, and I haven't seen that. And I believe in the Holy Spirit who's teaching me these things. And, it's in a, and I hear about it in a Bible that, that a lot of people don't believe in and they might mock you for that. But that's okay. It's, it's simply something, the gospel is something you cannot bury. Fourth, kingdom work. You have, you have a calling, you have an ability to work, use your talents for good, for figuring out a way to, to, to help people, to serve people in this world. It's, and so realizing that you're part of a kingdom, there's, there's something bigger than you that you can take you know, accounting or, or finance and teaching and, and, and serving kids and, and just and bringing that to be a purpose in life that's where life is not about you but it's about bringing peace and harmony to your city, your campus, wherever you are. Kingdom work. Finally uh, is servant friendship It's investing in people who don't give you anything back. Typically friendships occur because in the world because of like I'm like him or her and, and I get something out of this relationship you can become a servant friend because Jesus has, has, has become your friend. Hey, I don't have much to offer to him. He, he, he totally pursues me and in his relationship with me to serve me. You can serve. You can serve uh, in marriage, in friendship, in all sorts of uh, your roommate, uh, guy on the street. Uh, you can enter into life-giving friendships with people, being a friend, a true servant friend. So prayer, forgiveness, the gospel, kingdom work, and friendship, Which one of those five talents are, are something you have a track record in? If you just think about those things. Prayer, friendship, forgiveness, the gospel, kingdom work. Which one of those do you have a track record in, in, in utilizing? And, and when I describe those things, think about this. Which one of those is more of an aspirational talent for you? What was something in those things that, man, I'd really love to be better at that? And, and think about what, what's something I could I could grow in. And so those are questions for us to have, is where do you have a track record of, of excelling in one of these things, and where do you want to grow in? Uh, and and I, would, I would shoot for all of them, actually. These talents are not something that justify us or save us. They flow from our one talent. Our one talent is our baseline thing that, that all believers have in common, which is, approval, acceptance, and favor through God's Son, through faith in him and his cross. If we have that, we're free to risk, we're free to boldly live radically for his glory, not ours, for the joy of the Master. We can we can invest it all, go all in, and see where God takes us uh, with purpose in life. And so as Meredith and I were talking about this this parable this week, we're talking about what is what is the purpose of life and what and yeah, what are, what are we what do we feel called to do? And so she mentioned that the West